0: From the General Motors plant in Flint, Michigan, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who sell rabbits for pets or food Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. I hate to admit it, but I have actually eaten rabbit. I, uh, I had rabbit once, and it was disgusting and tough and gamey and uh, completely flavorless. But uh, other than that, I'd, they're okay. Uh, Corey, who sent that one in? That was written by Lorenzo Rafa of the Lorenzo Commentaries, the Lorenzo Diaries, and Twilight, the Lorenzo Saga. Very funny.
1: And Lorenzo's Oil. <laughs> <A> great movie. <laughs> by the way, I've eaten rattlesnake. Have you really? I've eaten dolphin.
0: Ooh, that's not good.
1: I have. I've that's... eaten. I've eaten
0: whale twice. Let me. Let me guess. You. You accidentally ate. You thought it was tuna, but it was dolphin.
1: No, 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 no. I ordered dolphin.
0: You actually ordered dolphin. I was in Iceland. Okay.
1: It was dolphin carpaccio. Yeah.
0: I'm putting a call into Peter right now. Peter I mean? who? <laughs> yeah, Peter Goober. <laughs> so wait, I,
1: I'm. Okay. I'm very glad to say that I have. Uh, that I have somehow managed to purposely miss every single screening of the hobbit
0: don't say that i gave the hobbit three three of my <laughs> votes for animation on sunday yes see those things don't make the news commentary on lafco voting that's true but uh, it was a funny moment right it was a funny moment. well
1: no the, the funniest <laughs> moment ever was when there was a groundswell of support about whatever it was two three years ago to uh give the best animated film award to avatar
0: it, it, it got a little traction <laughs> for a did. moment well, in the cause room. You, yeah
1: because we, we, we couldn't stop laughing
0: yeah was
1: somebody so would say like you know three points avatar yeah. and then we all chuckled and then someone else said three points avatar and then, like... was,
0: and then there was a whole row of people going what the hell avatar 3 yeah why not avatar 3 it was it was a moment until until you kind of got to a more mature part of the room <laughs> insanity prevailed and they just said we're going to nip this in the bud this is not going to happen and oh, embarrass the entire group that would have been awesome but um, yeah I was very proud to cast my animation votes three points for um, The Hobbit two points for John Carter and one point for uh, Battleship And I was making a statement <laughs>
1: The statement is that uh, animated films suck
0: yeah, It's not a good year for animated films But Frank and Weenie won and I'm okay with that You know, Tim uh, Burton
1: I guess Why not?
0: It's fine
1: I mean, it's nice to see Tim Burton care
0: Look, it's not CGI That's true right? It's that not a CGI true. film So it, it says something about traditional animation
1: Now, I could still see Hobbit yeah. But you know, the great thing You know what's funny is that, is that This time of the year And maybe mm-hmm. this is the only time of the year We realize that what we do Can be kind of cool Yes. Like, for instance, okay, the voting is over. The LAFCA voting is over. Yep. Publicists, industry, filmmakers don't give a crap if we live or die. True. Until about 12 months from now. That's right. Then they'll give a crap for about four weeks, and they won't give a crap
0: anymore. Uh, Well, four weeks. How about two weeks? How about until Golden Globe nominations come out, and then no one cares?
1: But if you go to HollywoodReporter.com, they still have their awards screening guide. Mm -hmm. Now, in theory, I could just... RSVP for any of these? Sure. I mean, they're not going to know. I mean, they really going to care if no. I show up to The Hobbit? Of course not. So here's where here's where The Hobbit's playing. The Sorry. Hobbit. Wait, what's today? Okay. The Hobbit is playing. Uh, man, it's playing a lot of times. It's playing three times for free on the twenty first. It's playing on the fourteenth. It's playing on the fifteenth. It's playing on the sixteenth, and it's playing on the seventeenth twice and the 18th twice, and the 19th twice. So basically, I could still see. Now, of course, I would want to go to a Hobbit that has the 48 frames per second. That's the point. Now, you yes. said you didn't actually mind
0: it. You know, I, look, no one has been more violent in their opposition to the 48 frame concept than i have i mean i i just i just think it's a horrendous betrayal of everything that movies are and ought to be i i'm a 24 frame purist i hate 3d and i hate all these attempts to somehow turn movies into a more experiential immersive gimmick than they ought to be the movie should draw you in not come out at you basically that's my feeling and 28 24 frames is is a wonderful kind of transportative medium uh So I was violently opposed to the idea. And I got to say, suddenly it's weird after seeing it. Everyone else is more violently opposed than I am. Um, and, and my reaction to it was this. Yes, it looks like video. Of course it looks like video. Um, with At 48 frames, you don't even need the 3D because you don't even pay attention to the 3D anymore because of the clarity, the intense clarity. Does it help the storytelling? Not really. 24 frames would still be better. But I just kind of, you know, with the British accents and the, and the kind of the cheesy backdrop and the fantasy and all that, I just, in my head, I just kind of, you know, felt like I was watching a fusion between, uh, you know, Tom Baker-era Doctor Who and the Teletubbies and H.R. Uh, Puffin. Stuff and it and then it just felt like a like a big budget Sid and Marty Croft movie and I was okay with it.
1: You know what uh, I have to say before we get on to uh, some baseball and stuff? And I kid you
0: not, the, the, the rolling green hills of the Shire where the Hobbits live, right. t- I swear that's where they shoot the Teletubbies. I, Looks the what? same. Looks exactly the same.
1: You know what? Just hearing you say the Shire where the Hobbits live make me, makes me not want to watch that film. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to RSVP for it. I'm going to say, look, I will stand in the back for 20 minutes and look at the 48 frames and then leave.
0: You know what's funny? It, the subtitle, of the, the, sub, the, the subheading of the film, right? It's called The Hobbit, colon, An Unexpected Journey. I kid you not. Like forty-five minutes into this movie, you're still roaming around Bilbo's house, and it's like that. It's like the Marx Brothers. uh, It's like which is it? A night at the opera? Is it a night at the opera where they all cram into the into the
1: uh, Into the the stateroom? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's it's like that. It's like suddenly there's all these people cramming into a Hobbit's house, and you're like, what the seriously? What's going on here? It's forty-five minutes in. We're packing into into Bilbo's house. We haven't even started this damn journey. Where's this journey? This unexpected journey? Because now I'm actually expecting it. What the hell? Get on with it already. Start the journey. And then I was like, oh, yeah, they got to get nine hours out of a uh, simple, small book.
1: The first movie annoyed the crap out of me.
0: Oh, yeah. So bad. So anyway, so well, moving
1: listen, we're moving on. Uh, we're very excited about our Lafka votes. I feel very proud of the group. I feel we uh, – we, we shocked we, people again. We shocked people again. But you know what? We didn't shock people with uh, with BS. Although I think that the reason why – and then we'll move on to some uh, some great comedies that came out earlier this year. Board Legacy. We got some TV Got some HBO stuff. Got Star Trek Season we got, 2. We
0: have unbelievably huge amounts of new and classic movies. It is of, a, it's a gigantic of, pile of movies this none week.
1: None of which we're getting to because we keep talking about yeah. Lafka votes. But um, I think that the reason Amor won Best Picture is because the group wanted to award Amor and Holy Motors, and they can't do both. Because only one can That's win. true. Because only one can win foreign language. Yeah. So the only way to honor both is to give a more best picture. And you know Holy Motors will win best foreign.
0: I also think, though, that the more classically inclined part of the room was much more favorably inclined toward it more. I know there's a, I know there's a big chunk of the room that loves Holy Motors, and I'm not one of them. Uh, I know you are. Uh, to me, it's just—I don't know if
1: I love it. I just find it—I unbelu- just find it endlessly fascinating and perplexing in the most interesting way.
0: Uh, you see, I just think it's a hack job. I just think it's a really, really stupid, retarded uh, attempt you know, at what, making look, like pretentious avant-garde poop, and it's completely unsuccessful. You hate
1: that stuff. You hate, I hate like it.
0: I hate it. You hate
1: like like abstract. Well, it, movies no, it of was weirdness. like it,
0: it goes in the same category as is uh, Enter the Void. You know, it's, it's just – let me just kind of give you just endless sort of visual and narrative masturbation that ultimately leads to nothing in particular. I mean, I won't give anything away in Holy Motors. But, yes, we, we all know he's, he's this semi – he's like he, – he actories his way in all of these episodes that are meant to be reflective of different genres of movies as he drives around Paris in this white limo. And one of them, yes, it's a musical with Kylie Minogue. Except that doesn't end like any musical I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's really? What are you See, trying to tell me here? You, Just when
1: you think you've got Ugh. it figured out – you don't.
0: No, nah, it's just because he's a sadistic filmmaker. He and Bruno Dumont, they they've both got a problem. France has a bunch of those guys. Oh anyway. Um oh, here's the thing. Oh,
1: hang on for a second. Uh, uh Yes, sir. When, when it comes to food, I, I know we, we get emails saying <sighs> what what did you make? Now I was uh, I it, already had
0: lunch today twice. I
1: was you probably did. I was how do you say so thin? God, I'm getting weight. Okay Um I'd had I baked nothing this weekend because okay. I was cramming down mm-hmm. Lafka screeners. Right. So I'm going to give you something. Go ahead, give it to me. That is so special. Okay. I don't even know if you deserve it. Okay, give it to me. Now, should I go
0: get it first? Go go get it. I'll talk about a few foreign films of note. Yes. Uh, Starting off with Kino's authorized edition release of Joseph von Sternberg's The Blue Angel on Blu-ray. It's also on DVD. We got the Blu-ray here. As with all Kino Blu-rays of classic films, it is beyond compare. It is just spectacular. Uh, They completely restored this thing in high def. It's not restored on the original uh, elements into a film restoration. They did a digital restoration. And uh, it's just gorgeous. This is the original German language version with the English subtitles made in 1930, a very early Uh, sound film from Germany uh, from Josef von Sternberg who of course is famous for principally working with uh, Marlena Dietrich. I've been listening to a lot of Marlena Dietrich Christmas music lately. She takes music that is supposed to sound wholesome and just makes it sound dirty. It's really amazing. She was good at that. She had a gift for that lots of great stuff here Uh, this it's just it's really really wonderful Um, now as far as extras not much Uh, effectively nothing but the the, uh, it doesn't matter It's, it's just it's a wonderful film it's a classic film it's, uh, it's a historic film on technical level and on a narrative level. And, uh, y- you know, what you've you got to check it out. It's really great. Blue Angel. Uh, Marlena Dietrich and, of course, Emil Jannings, who, uh, or Emil Jannings, if you want to do the German pronunciation, who, of course, was a big deal in American films at the time as well. Um, also a movie which I, I found got very few uh, votes, actually. I don't know that anybody even mentioned this during our voting. Probably because we didn't get it on screener. That's true. Yeah. Gosh, Police? that's really unfortunate. Police, P-O-L-I-S-S-E by uh, Maiwen, Mai uh, the, uh, the French director who, by the way, uh, was, uh, as I understand the story, when she was, before she was a filmmaker, when she was like 15 or 16, she got pregnant by Luc Besson or something. Uh, Kind of scandalous. But anyway, uh, she is now a filmmaker just under the name Maiwen, M-A-I-W-E-N-N, with two dots over the I, all very cool and euro and pretentious. And this is a hell of a movie. This is about the child protection unit of the Parisian police. The only thing I can think that it compares to is uh, Tavernier's uh, L627, which is also a gritty, gritty police movie. Um, This is based on actual real cases. It's kind of like Law & Order SVU elevated to the... the um Seventeenth degree, and it is just unbelievably intense. It is a great movie. It is—it's a punch in the face. Uh, this is great from whoa, MPI. Whoa, whoa,
1: punch in the face! See, wait—I don't watch movies to get assaulted oh, it's physically. Good, dude.
0: It's so good. But and I wish, gosh darn it, MPI, you should have put this out on Blu-ray because this is a film that begs to be on Blu-ray. Speaking of. Criterion, we've got a bunch of Criterions this week, and this is a fantastic one, a 4-in-1 one from 1960, Blu-ray edition of Purple Noon. Now, oh, you yeah,
1: Prince, the Prince film, Purple Noon?
0: No. Oh. No, this is, no, this is, no, no, I'm sorry, no. What this is, this is the original version of the talented Mr. Ripley. You didn't know that, did you? I
1: did not. See? I know yeah, it now.
0: See? Before, before that Matt Damon thing. No, this, this is the real deal, and uh, a young Alain Delon plays uh, the lead in this, and he is just outstanding, directed by René Clément, one of the great uh, French directors of the 50s and 60s, and uh, it, it of course gets the the, the vintage uh, Janus Films Criterion Collection treatment, it looks fantastic, the colors are just pristine, those wonderful garish 1960 colors that just plunge you into uh, new wave era France. Terrific bunch of extras here, including an interview with a uh, scholar and author by the name of Denitza Bancheva, uh, expert on René Clément, as well as uh, old interviews with Alain Delon, Patricia Highsmith, of course, who wrote the, uh, the novel that the movie uh, the is ba- the, the, the movie's based on, uh, the English trailer, and uh, a great essay by Jeffrey O'Brien. As well. So this is just a, a beautiful, beautiful Criterion Blu-ray. You've got to check that out. Also, uh, speaking of great French directors, Robert Bresson, who, of course, made a lot Ooh, of stuff. I sens- love
1: uh, Robert Bresson. He's great.
0: We love Robert Brisson. Pickpocket. But, you know, but you know what? Bresson kept making movies well into uh, beyond his prime, we should say. This is from 1977, and uh, I had never heard of this before. Olive has gone and uh, dug this one up. This is The Devil Probably. And uh, I had never heard of it. You watch it, it you can only marginally tell that it's, uh, it's a Robert Bresson film. It is, you, know, you can tell that it's, he's kind of trying to reinvent himself for an era in which he fits rather awkwardly. So this isn't quite like watching any of his early black and white stuff where it's all about you know sort of religious angst. Uh, Diary of
1: a Country Priest.
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff. No, uh, this is, and I'm sort of surprised that this didn't uh, – you know, I mean I'm glad Olive went and found this, but it's, uh, I would have expected another company to sort of grab this. Anyway, 1977, uh, the film – is The Devil Probably and it's uh, basically uh, similar in some respects to a lot of films of the era which is about four kind of aimless French youths who are uh, you know living a sort of wasted life and it's, it's very uh, a very negative pessimistic look at uh, modern, modern Paris and uh, you know Paris of the 1970s and you know how few opportunities there are for the kids how society's sort of disintegrating. It's really it's sort of Bresson you know, getting into his twilight years and and losing faith, not necessarily in the film form, but certainly in the society that used to support the film form. Uh, but this did well at festivals and uh, it won the Silver Bear at, uh, at Berlin. So uh, you know, it it still has some resonance. Um, few, a couple other things here I should make quick mention of: Elena by Andre. Zviga, uh, how do you pronounce it him Andre
1: how do you pronounce it carefully
0: yeah, on, the, guy, the guy who directed the return Andre Zviginitz or something I'll never pronounce that correctly you know this movie got a lot of love Mark on Sunday were you as surprised as I was that there were so many people in the group that, were, that, were, that even saw the film much less were that enamored of it
1: I was although I will say that uh, nobody gave it best screenplay because basically in this movie barely anybody talks true Which Not I, a lot of dialogue I, in this film
0: which I usually like uh, I mean, it's a good film. I just didn't... I wasn't floored by it, but it's a very good film. It uh, it actually won the, uh, on certain regards, special jury prize at Cannes. And uh, if you're familiar with the director, if you've seen The Return, you, you realize he's very kind of typically Russian in, the, in this very brooding uh, look at life and people in general and very poetic in the way that he sort of approaches his subjects. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's just not an awful lot here uh, it's it's it 's sort of a it 's sort of a semi thriller character study i 'm not sure why, how you 'd explain it so in a way it 's a nice companion piece to Amor, wouldn 't you say because it 's about an older couple that 's
1: true that 's true yeah. i mean i think Amor is much more uh... yeah
0: Amor is more of a heartfelt thing but anyway uh, it, it's it 's about a you know it 's about an older couple and you know, then it, it, it turns this family drama into something that feels a little bit more like a thriller. I won't give you all the details, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, Philip Glass did a score that doesn't irritate me, which says a lot about it. But anyway, that's out from Zeitgeist on DVD, not on Blu-ray. Uh, worth a look. And then lastly, The Salt of Life, which I expected to actually get more love uh, on Sunday. This is by Gianni Di Gregorio. This is also from Zeitgeist. Uh, Gregorio is uh, is a wonderful director and. Uh, He did a a great film, if you remember, some years ago called Mid-August Lunch, um, which was hysterical. And this is uh, similarly enjoyable as a comedy. This is uh, uh, basically about a guy who's, uh, you know, retired and uh, nobody pays attention to him. Women don't look at him. And uh, his life is kind of, um, you know, he needs to reinvent himself. So um, as he does, you enjoy the film with uh, lots of laughs. It is, uh, it is one of the few Italian comedies of recent years that I actually quite responded to. So that being said, Mark, uh, talk, to, talk to us about baseball, please.
1: Wait, I'm very disappointed that the Mets have not uh, re-signed R.A. Dickey as of this recording.
0: I have no idea what that means. Uh,
1: it means that Ari Dickey is, uh, he, he is a pitcher who the Mets basically rescues from the scrap heap. He's in his late 30s. He's never gone anywhere in his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, he became a knuckleballer.
0: I thought you were going to say a knucklehead.
1: No, he became a knuckleballer. What am I eating? And, huh? What am I eating? Oh, we're not there yet. Okay. And then, what, what are you, oh, no, we're no, not, no, not there yet. And then uh, uh, after being rescued from the scrap heap by the Mets in his late 30s, and basically his career is done, he does so well that last year, or this year, he won the Cy Young Award. And he, he wins the Cy Young Award. It's a great story.
0: And then he gets no respect.
1: And he gets no respect, oh. and they have not signed him to a a contract. That is very, very upsetting to me personally. Bummer. However, I will say this. Uh, one thing that's not upsetting is that the Giants won the World Series last year.
0: That's not upsetting. Or actually, yet? this year. Well, no,
1: you know what? The Giants are cool.
0: You live in L. A. You big should be, panda. You should be Do- Dodgers, Giants, you know, I, each other I, rivalry. I,
1: I, I got to tell you, the Dodgers—they uh, gotta get it together. They've spent. you realize that the Dodgers are—they make the Yankees look like spendthrifts? Yeah, I know. The Dodgers just I spent know. like 160 million dollars on a six-year contract for Zach Renke, who's a fine pitcher, but you know, 24 million dollars a year for a guy who wins 15 games. Uh, you've got to be kidding me. I know. Uh, I think the Dodgers are way over the top. Now, God love them. They want to they win. They want to spend money to win. But you've got to spend smart money to win. Yeah, I hear you. Otherwise, you're like the Yankees, where you just throw your money around to absolutely no effect.
0: Well, tell us about the Giants. Oh, what I'm about sorry, them? the Giants. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is eight
1: discs. This is a San Francisco Giants 2012 World Series collector's edition. We talked about the uh, one Blu-ray edition of this a uh, couple mm. weeks ago. And this one has all uh, four games of the World Series. As you know, it was a sweep as the uh, Giants beat the uh, Detroit Tigers. And it also includes four other discs including uh, Game 5 of the National League Division Series and Game 5 of the National League Championship Series. So if you're a Giants fan, uh, you are going to want to watch Panda, the Big Panda.
0: Okay, fine. Get
1: his way through the postseason.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Very exciting. All right, so we have have new films to talk about, or films to talk about.
0: Oh, boy, do we.
1: (laughs) Now, we want to get to uh, Dark Knight Returns in a second, but there is another... Christopher Nolan film,
0: the original Christopher Nolan film. Yes, that first film he ever made.
1: Talk about because it is very good, and Criterion is giving it the full blown treatment. This is following. Now, following uh, is a it was a British film when Nolan was working out of his home country.
0: Black and white, made for like eighteen dollars.
1: This thing was shot on sixteen millimeter, and it was shot over the course of like X number of months. Like they would just they would just shoot it every once in a while maybe over weekends Nolan he shot it he edited it he did most of it himself and uh, it's a really interesting movie and it and you really get a sense of the way he constructs that little bit of sort of neo-noir creepiness you know it's, that it's, sort
0: of grit it's unmistakably a Christopher Nolan film yes. and, and it's weird to say that about a low budget black and white uh, film with no stars that was shot on 16mm because now it, it, he's now Mr. you know $150 million $250 million uh, blockbuster star driven uh, powerhouse movie in IMAX it's like it, 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 but yet you look at this and you're just like it's a, it's a Christopher Nolan movie there's just no mistaking it It's it's, it's got that style it's it got that imprint that, that kind of coldness but yet that uh, that twisting it's it's got all those characteristics that uh, we identify with his movies.
1: It's great the digital transfer. It looks you know look it's it was shot on 16, so it's not going to look like uh, Dark Knight. But it was supervised by Nolan himself. It's good. The 5.1 soundtrack is a little much for a movie like this, but whatever. Nolan does an audio commentary, which is great. A new interview with Nolan is fantastic. Um, also from 1997, they include Doodlebug. Doodlebug is a uh, is a short film that he had done. And uh it's and there's also an essay by uh, our good friend Scott Foundis and following is a terrific film you can totally get, if if Nolan if Nolan had a triple with this Yeah. It, he hit a home run with Memento. Yeah. And then he was off and running. Yeah, it's true. It's a terrific it's film. It's true.
0: And this was only 1998. I mean, people forget Christopher Nolan has only been around 14 years. That is weird. And half that time he spent making Batman movies. Isn't that weird? <laughs>
1: I mean, really? Well, is
0: there anybody who has soared from non-existence to the heights of Hollywood that quickly?
1: Look, the only the only stinker he's had, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, Prestige. Ugh. I don't like it. I love following. I love Memento. I loved Insomnia, which no one talks about. I love the Batman films. I did like Inception.
0: Well, as long, it's let's, great. Let's, let's let's talk about how much we love the Batman films. <laughs> Should we wait? Yeah, let's get, just get Dark Knight it.
1: Rises is the uh, obviously the conclusion in the uh, uh, Batman uh, trilogy. I love this film. This might be actually this might be you like my the, favorite of really? the three. Yes, really. Now, if I it don't. wasn't for the Joker in the second one, yeah, which obviously, if you if you, I know this is a stupid thing to say, but if you take the Joker out of it, or let's just say Heath Ledger wasn't as iconic as he yeah. wound up being as a overall. Fa- See, the Joker really he uh, the. The Joker was so good that he almost overwhelmed the film.
0: True. You true. know what I
1: mean? The film became about that performance, whereas this feels like here, a Batman film.
0: Here I also, though, became very aware of the graphic novels that the series is based on. And, and it was where I really – because a lot of people who are deeply, deeply into the whole uh, Batman graphic novel thing – they will tell you there was just no, there were no surprises here. If you know the history of Bane and the history of Batman, and if you know that whole story as it's been constructed over the years, this follows it to to a T from well, where it was so, in the comic well,
1: books. Well, but so does uh, you know the yeah. Spider-Man origin story and the Superman origins. They they, they all follow well, it. Not it not doesn't make all
0: the twists in this are the twists from comic books. Uh, well, I didn't read so, the comic
1: books. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a regular person. Okay, but uh, you know, I, I think Nolan really knocked out of the park. The only thing I'll say is that. He does kind of drop the ball a little bit when it comes to the ultimate disposition of Bane. Let me say, yeah, where suddenly Bane doesn't seem to be there anymore in the movie. Where did he go?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's I I I found this to be a little bit of a disappointment, and oh, um, I loved it. I uh, I still liked it i I wasn't I, but it didn't it didn't wrap things up quite as I wanted it to and perhaps that's partly me uh, but it's is it worth saying well of course it's, it's it wraps up this trilogy and the first film lo- I love the first is probably my favorite still
1: well the first is, is is a great film because that established the tone the style it was yeah. unique for the time and uh, you know I, I, for that you can't you can't give it that you, you can't take that away the only thing I will say that this might have had a negative impact on films is now Every superhero film the studios want to make all their superhero films yeah.
0: dark and gritty like The Dark Knight. And, and we say that just as the new Superman trailer has just emerged within the past 24 hours. Yes. And, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't quite know why Superman all of a sudden has to be, you know, brooding and dark and angsty. That's not who Superman is. I agree. It's not who he is. It's not, it's, that's not what makes that franchise enjoyable. So uh, I think that's a mistake.
1: So the uh, video quality-wise, it looks fantastic. Uh, now, obviously, some of this was shot in IMAX you know so you do get scenes that are presented at 2 at uh 240 to 1 and then other scenes that are at 178 to 1 whatever it is it's great uh looks great the audio quality is absolutely fantastic there is so much detail and using of you know, all the various uh, speakers in the back looks fantastic there's a lot of great uh, uh f- special features on it something on the batmobile um on the production, on the characters, you know, on the reflections on the trilogy now that it's over. So this really, to me, is a home run. Now, here's the thing, though. There is a, uh, there's a box set also that has all three. Which they didn't send us. Which they didn't send us. But you have to decide if you own the other two, do you want to just buy this alone or do you want to maybe sell your other two and then
0: buy the box set? Or is, yeah, there any, is there anything unique to the box set Uh
1: the box set has a couple little uh, bells and whistles it's got uh, you know like a little booklet thing if if you're into you know uh, booklet things you can do that yeah, I mean not I'm so not much. sure that that's really no. good enough to make you no. want to buy it Not enough Yeah but well you know what
0: else we got this week Mark uh, we have one of the most eagerly, hotly anticipated Blu-rays of all time for one of the greatest movies ever made. A movie, frankly, that made me want to be a member of the LA Film Critics Association many, many years before I was. Uh, I, was uh, I was literally, I was still in college at this time, and uh, suddenly I heard that the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, which all I knew was just one of a bunch of film critics associations, had given a best picture of the year to a movie that its own studio had threatened not to release. And I thought, are you kidding me? That is a gutsy move. These guys are gutsy. They are saying the best movie of the year is a movie that that, that a studio is starting to disown. Bravo. Well done. And that just said, these guys, they have balls. They are awesome. They rule. I want to be part of them. And sure enough, someday they saw fit to uh, go slumming and elect me and you to be uh, members. But the movie I'm talking about, of course, is Brazil from 1985. Terry Gilliam's extraordinary masterpiece, which is also one of the most troubled films of all time. If you've read the book The Battle of Brazil, and I recommend anybody who's interested in the movie business and its its horrible, nightmarish ins and outs and politics... Definitely read the Battle of Brazil. Uh, it, it it will give you just the psychotic history of this poor movie, and the version released in the United States is still not the quintessential version. Uh, the end was a little bit different, but uh, what we get here is uh, is in fact um, the the definitive ver- version of Brazil that uh, Terry Gilliam always wanted everyone to see, which was of course released in Europe. This is the uh, this is a two disc set on Blu Ray. The uh, one hundred and forty-two minute director's cut is on the first disc with DTS HD audio that is just mind-boggling, and an audio commentary by Gilliam that is fantastic. There is no one who talks about his movies better. And then disc two, you include you get the uh, documentary "What Is Brazil," the uh, documentary, the onset documentary by Rob Hedden, uh, the production notebook, which is a bunch of interviews and video essays of all kinds of fun stuff, uh, and uh, you get the "Battle of Brazil," which is a documentary about the, uh, the film's release.
1: Well, the best uh, extra—the
0: Battle of Brazil, by the way, uh, hosted by Jack Matthews, who who wrote the book, which I was just talking about. So it's it's not the same as the book, but it's a documentary essentially following the uh, the same many of the same beats.
1: And the best and, extra, go
0: ahead. The, it includes the "Love Conquers All" version. Oh my gosh!
1: It's the now best. the "Love Conquers All" version is oh, the, the uh, is the version that was shown on TV, it's which, n- which ninety four minutes.
0: And and the reason they always include that and that version was you know that that version has always been part of the uh, the the, you know, the old DVD boxed set of Brazil had that version as well. And uh, the reason that version exists is because Sid Sheinberg, who ran Universal at the time and who was notorious for meddling in movies, he's the one who also insisted that uh, they take uh, Legend away from Ridley Scott and, they, and butcher it down and remove the, the Jerry Goldsmith score and replace it with Tangerine Dream. Because, you know, the kids like to hear Tangerine Dream when they watch Tom Cruise. I mean, it worked for Risky Business. Hell, why not work, do it with Legend? That's how Sid Sheinberg thought. Um, And uh, he was all mad at Terry Gilliam. You're not as collaborative as Ridley Scott. Anyway, Sid Sheinberg uh, actually retained the rights to recut the film for a television version. And uh, Terry Gilliam feels that that version is just so absolutely reprehensibly terrible and hysterical that he actually flaunts it now. He flaunts it as evidence of just how completely inept Sid Sheinberg and the studios are. It's sort of – he goes, "Eh." and if you like my movie, watch what what people who aren't filmmakers do to filmmakers' movies. Watch this. Brilliant. I mean it's just brilliant. It's It's just literally peeing in the face of Sid Sheinberg and Universal from that era. Uh, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So uh, the "Love Conquers All" version, absolutely hilarious, and of course David Sterrett uh, gives the essay in the obligatory Criterion booklet. Terrific Blu-ray of Brazil doesn't get any better, and then we got three other films here that I uh, I feel obligated to call your attention to because they're classic films on Blu-ray Warren Beatty's uh, Dick Tracy the, uh, on a Blu-ray and digital copy combo um, this is a you know a nice two disc set that Disney has uh, given us to uh, pay homage to a movie that was a big deal at the time when uh, Warren Beatty did Dick Tracy it was uh, it was the first film with digital audio did you know that?
1: I did not know that, yep. but now I do.
0: Yep. This was the first film to actually be released with digital audio, uh, and it was pretty great. And, of course, it has amazing cinematography by Vittorio Storaro. It could be pre-CGI era. It brings comic books to life. Uh, Al Pacino started to overact here and then in subsequent roles uh, forgot that he, he you know, was acting without the makeup. And uh, continue to overact. But uh, you know what? I actually really like this film. A lot I of people, like it too. A lot of people ripped on it. I think it's one of Danny Elfman's best scores. I think it's a, a really sharp movie. I think Warren Beatty just nails this, this incredible balance of all of these tricky things he was trying to do. And he did it in a pre-CGI era. I, and, uh, and bravo.
1: And you know what? In, you know, in an era when uh, people assume that visuals means special effects and CGI and big alien vistas, look at, look at the primary colors that they work with. Look at the production design by, I think it was Richard Silbert. I mean, it is a beautiful film. It is so striking. It looks like a comic book. It is singular. You never see anything like it. And it does it all without, you know, looking like it has to be Avatar. Just because it's not Avatar doesn't mean it's not totally cool looking.
0: Absolutely. And then lastly, we have the first two Blu-rays from the Warner Archive collection. A lot of people have been asking, what are the Warner Archive DVDs or Blu-rays going to look like? And uh, I got to say, they're pretty great. Now, the the process of these things is a little bit different, and I'm still trying to clarify whether they are uh, literally stamping these out as needed because they are not Blu-ray, B, like, BDRs. They're not uh, the equivalent of DVD-Rs. They're not sort of burned. They do appear to be production stamped. So I'm trying to discern whether or not they're stamped or whether or not they, they do kind of a limited run. And then just, you know, we'll, they'll sell them out of the limited run uh, or if there's some other business model at work. It, it appears to be different from how they handle the DVDs and DVDRs. Uh, that being said, Gypsy is the uh, the first one, which is a wonderful film, one of my all-time favorite Natalie Wood movies. Of course, the uh, it is the Jules Stein, Stephen Sondheim uh, musical about Gypsy Rose Lee the famous stripper, and done in beautiful, melodramatic, wonderfully wholesome fashion. Uh, you know, I mean, look, it's a, it's a two-and-a-half-hour musical about a stripper, and uh, it's family-friendly. Go figure. But really a great film, directed by Mervyn Leroy, beautiful color. The Blu-ray absolutely honors the film. It, is, uh, it doesn't cut corners in any way at all. And you get a couple of outtake numbers and uh, the original trailer. The other one, which is a little more peculiar, is Death Trap. I'm not sure who decided... Oh, I like
1: the, this film. It's a good
0: film, but I'm not I sure who do. decided that this was one of the uh, films that they should use as the inaugural uh, Blu-ray ar- Warner Archive collection release. But see anyway, Met.
1: yeah, but cool it's a, Johnny Mandel score from what I remember.
0: But it's kind of a well, and, and a great performance by, by uh, yes. Michael Caine. Particularly. Remember when Michael?
1: Come on, how often do you get to see Michael Caine make out with Superman? True,
0: very true. But still, I you know, it's not like if you look at all the films that they have in the Warner Archive collection, I wouldn't exactly zero in on this one and go, "Oh, that's great Blu-ray." Oh,
1: sure. It's but it, just, it is a terrific little little nugget of a chamber it piece. It certainly a is. a chamber along with, comedy
0: along with Diane Cannon, our our good fellow Laker fan. Oh, you're not a Laker fan, are you? Um, uh, well, see, well, you're not in the club.
1: Well, well, okay, that's not much of a club to be in at this point. I got to tell
0: you, <laughs> that's true. So anyway, that's, that's very nice. No extras, but that's also quite a good Blu-ray. It's just not sort of a visually dazzling film, but it certainly is a very solid film. So those are our Warner Archive Blu-rays, the inaugural Warner Archive releases. If you love these movies, please get them because we want Warner Archive to release more films on Blu-ray. That's a big deal.
1: Uh, Wade, we have for you, uh, on Blu-ray, Francis Ford Coppola, five film collection. Now, often we talk about, uh, compilation, uh, discs of, uh, you know, famous actors and directors and how there's always, you know, uh, one good film and a bunch of ringers that they just, that was just you know, piling up on the piling up in the warehouse and they just throw in a box around it and release it as a five film collection. Well, Francis Ford Coppola, five film collection is a little bit different We have kind of four films, if you ask me. But uh, we have Apocalypse Now. These are all Blu-rays, by the way. These are Blu-rays packaged in a very slim case. Now, frankly, you really should have all these but one already on Blu-ray. But if you don't, this is a good, recommended package. And I usually don't recommend these packages. Apocalypse Now.
0: Yep.
1: Apocalypse Now Redux, which I actually did not like. But uh, forget that. Go with Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Uh, The Conversation, one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, Tetra, which is a very interesting little uh, uh, late Coppola film. Now, Coppola is sort of going back... Coppola has decided in his old age... To uh, go back to just this very you know black and white back to the roots sort of filmmaking where the studio's not involved, he does whatever he wants he, be he finances as freaky, it all himself now. he could be as freaky, Dicky as he wants, finances it himself, and Tetra was one of those, uh, was one of those uh, efforts that stars Vincent Gallo, who's kind of a crazy actor, um, and class Maria Brandauer also Tetra's not bad. The big one here that really you should watch is uh, on Blu ray for the first time, one from the heart
0: yeah. Oh. Now, nice. now wait,
1: you like One from the Heart?
0: Love One from the Heart. And yeah. I know that was the film that that bankrupted uh Zoetrope, but it, I I still think it's a super cool film.
1: It's a great film. It's a musical from 1982. It uh it's set in Las Vegas and it was very controversial because it cost a fair amount of money uh and it did wind up bankrupting uh Coppola's, you know, the the, the Coppola's own studio, yeah, American Zoetrope. Yep. And uh, you know, he made a lot of other films uh, during this time,
0: and that's a big deal on Blu-ray. And, and that's a big make, deal on Blu-ray. It's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of odd that they're not releasing it by itself, but because it's been out, you know, it came out in 2004 on DVD in a special edition, which was already a big deal then. People are like, finally, oh, Blu-ray, and now on Blu-ray, it's like, wow. Because here's the thing: is that it's you know, a gorgeous look, gorgeous movie.
1: It's it's a beautiful movie. What killed it is that the original budget was like two million bucks, and then it wound up skyrocketing yeah. to 25 million bucks. Yeah, and Honestly, you it, you just can't do that. No,
0: it, and it should never have gone that high. Well, I mean, the thing was... is, is
1: that you know, for what I understand, if, if if you look at the genesis of this, not only was this going to put American Zoetrope on the map, but it was also going to reset Coppola's reputation yeah. after going going Runaway on Apocalypse Now.
0: Yeah, but you that's...
1: know, a little a little one from the heart, a little a movie from his heart. Only two million bucks. Yeah. People will trust him again. You know, after Apocalypse Now, and in the it end, it wound happen. up sinking the studio. It ruined his reputation for a certain amount of time. But uh it's you know what it's 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 still a great film. I mean look in the eighties Coppola definitely wasn't done. You know, he'd made, you know, outsiders and rumblefish and I guess the Cotton Club. Yeah. But you know what? After that, his he there was some fallow years there.
0: Absolutely. With Jack. I know. Oh god. The Rainmaker.
1: Yeah. Not good. No. And he really hasn't recovered from that, uh from that time. You know. Well. Anyway, so this is a a, a very highly recommended uh A five film collection. Not a lot of extras on it. Don't expect extras. This is really just for the movies. So, Apocalypse Now, Conversation, One from the Heart, and then you also get Tetro and Apocalypse Now Redux.
0: Very good. You know, uh, Les Mis is all the rage again, and uh, we're, of course, talking about the musical Les Mis, we, which we have a, uh, there's a there's a concert DVD over there that Mark has as well. Oh, on, it's right here, yeah, Wade. Yeah. We'll, we'll make mention of that in just a second, but... Don't I, tell me what to do. I won't. But, you know, uh, there have been a lot of different versions of Les Mis a Rob, and we've got more coming in future weeks, which, of course, you know, are all trying to capitalize on the fact that the musical was finally done by Tom Hooper in big, grandiose uh, Oscar-baiting fashion, which we'll talk about in a few future show, but uh, this is the um, the 1990, it was 1998, I believe, uh, am I correct? Am I, Is my memory serving me correctly? Anyway, the Billy August film, which is not the musical, starring uh, Liam Neeson as Jean Valjean and Jeffrey Rush as Javert and Uma Thurman and Claire Danes, and not a bad cast at all. Um, just not a great movie, to be honest. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a big fan of the, uh, the 70s, 1978 television version with Anthony Perkins and Richard Jordan. That, for me, is definitive, which is weird because it's a 70s television movie. When was the last time that was definitive in any way? Um, but nevertheless, this is a very well-done film. It's very nicely done. It's just, you just don't feel that Billy August fully has creative control over this. Um, the interesting thing about this film is uh, that Basil Polidouris wound up writing the score. And for me, the score is one of the problems with the film. Gabrielle Yared wrote the original score, which was junked by the producers. And I can't help but feel that maybe Gabriel Yared wrote a better score and for whatever reason it just wasn't the film that they wanted it to be. And you know how that always goes. If they can't recut the film the way they want it to be, they throw a new score on and they think that's going to fix it.
1: Well, those are also two very different sorts of types of composers. Oh, my gosh. Basil Polidoro the guys like big and bombastic and whatever. And and Gabriel Yared is elegant and fluid
0: and strings and romantic. And I think they were looking for something more epic and less humanistic, which is not Billy August. You're not hiring Billy August if you're doing a Basil Polidoro movie. So uh, that being said, you know, Rafael Iglesias wrote the screenplay. I mean, it has all the right credentials. It just never quite gels for me. But some people really like this movie. Uh, This is the Blu-ray. And it's an okay Blu-ray. Sony did not go to the wall for this. Uh, It it looks like they just sort of pulled it off the shelf and said, look, the musical's coming out. Quickly, put this on Blu-ray and make it look as good as you can without spending too much money on it. So it's definitely on the lower tier of Sony Blu-rays. But, uh, you know, it's not a terrible film. I just don't love it. But a lot of people find it perfectly acceptable. I would say as a Blu-ray, probably more of a rental. Now, if you want to kind of get the juices flowing for the musical version of Les Mis, the film, and if you're like some of the people that I've been talking to lately who have seen the thing performed like half a dozen times, well, Mark's got a goodie for you. Yes,
1: I do. This is on uh, DVD, this thing called DVD. This is uh, Les Miserables, the 10th anniversary concert from Royal Albert Hall, 1995. This uh, assembles the, uh, the stars from the original London and Broadway productions, along with 150 voice chorus and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in uh, Royal Albert Hall. I've been to Royal Albert Hall. Who did I see in Royal Albert Hall, Wade?
0: Uh, the man who knew too much.
1: I saw uh, Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. Who, by the way, as I've said on the show before, Elvis Costello, he cut the show short because somebody uh, from the audience called him a wanker. Really? Yes. So someone called him a wanker and then he left.
0: Okay, well, all right <laughs>
1: That was it, How's my experience at Royal Albert Hall Anyway, this is great, you know what, it's a huge, huge orchestra, and a huge, huge choir This is very powerful stuff, but you know what, uh, this, this isn't like bombastic like the movie is This is like, you know, it's an anniversary, it's a special event, I totally get it And it looks amazing, and it's all performed live, so it's really great stuff I wish it was on Blu-ray, because uh, it would look better on Blu-ray But you know what, DVD's all we have of Les Mis 10th Anniversary Concert, Royal Albert Hall, 1995
0: And now we're going to make a quick mention of two films that have uh, people on them with cowboy hats, and uh, one of them has Hugh Jackman in it, which also ties in with Les Mis, and the other one uh, has Matthew McConaughey in it, which doesn't tie in with anything. Uh, I'm going to really quickly make mention of Killer Joe, the unrated director's cut, which is freaking the same as the unrated released cut. I don't know why they're pretending that this is any different. Um, Killer Joe was released uh, NC-17, or released without a rating. I forget which, but it was released for adults only, and for good reason. Um, this is directed by uh, William Friedkin of uh, Exorcist and French Connection fame. And it basically is a an incredibly twisted and sadistic movie uh, starring Matthew McConaughey as a uh, kind of a... He, I mean, he's a he's a Dallas lawman, but he moonlights as a an assassin. And uh, you can hire him to take out the person that you don't like. But he's got some really twisted uh, peccadillos. And uh, he's got some weird sexual issues. And the movie, um, not exactly gritty and gripping, but it's more kind of a psychological study of twisted psyche. And uh, Juno Temple is the girl that he sort of... Uh, well how do we put this he he she's his reward <laughs> when they can't come up with a monetary reward, Juno Temple is his reward. And she's the the sister of one of the guys that hires him, played by Emil Hirsch, and um, it just, it gets really, really nasty. Without giving you all the, the gritty ins and outs and the grungy aspects of it, it's pretty nasty. Well, the these guy... Decent uh, cast, though. Thomas Hayden Church, Gina Gershon, uh, some good people in there. It's just, it's a, it's a nasty-feeling movie. I didn't enjoy watching it. I felt like I wanted to shower afterwards.
1: Well, the guy who wrote it, uh, Tracy Letts... Tracy Letts is a guy... And uh, Tracy Letts wrote wrote uh, two plays that Fried can wind up uh, adapting, *Killer Joe* and *Bug*. Oh, and, he wrote *Bug* as well. Okay. And here's the thing with Tracy Letts: I didn't really. He was not on my. I mean, he was he was on my radar for these, but uh, when I was in New York a few weeks ago, I saw Tracy Letts make his Broadway debut playing George in *Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf*. Oh,
0: really? And he
1: was unbelievable. Really. So. Good. That guy was astonishing. Wow! Well, and good. I d- hadn't heard. I I I'd never put the two together. Mm. That this is the same Tracy Letts who wrote Who wrote Killer Joe and Amen. Bug? Uh, but I got to tell you, this guy is scary talented.
0: Well. I, I hope he writes better stuff in the future. I am not a fan of Killer Joe. I don't dislike it, but I just find it a little bit indulgent. This is a uh, a Blu-ray. It looks good. It's okay. It's, uh, you know, not, nothing feverishly mind-boggling, but it's it's fine. And uh, a few extras on here is mostly from the South by Southwest Film Festival, which all is, uh, is sort of free extras. And then uh, Friedkin does a commentary, and, uh, you know, it's a rental. I'd say it's a rental.
1: Speaking of rental, uh, if you have to, uh, butter. Oh, jeez, is a uh, very strange little movie uh, starring Jennifer Garner, Ty Burrell, and the delicious Olivia Wilde. I haven't said delicious in a while. Yeah. Delicious, and Hugh Jackman is like a sheriff dude. Anyway, <laughs> you know this movie. The, you, know, you know what this movie re- reminds me of? It reminds me of Election because it's about this ambitious w- woman, Jennifer Garner. She's married to the guy who like is the champion butter sculptor in like Iowa. And then when he retires, she decides that she's gonna take the mantle and sculpt butter for herself and enter this contest herself. And then there's this young African American girl who's also very good at it and it's like this big, you know, crazy race to the finish the who's the best butter sculptor. <laughs> and it reminds me of election because it has that um it has that sort of look and feel to it, a little bit a, a little bit uh fairy taleish, a little bit heightened reality. Uh the problem with the movie is that it's kind of condescending. To the people who live in Iowa, it feels like middle America condescending, and I kind of found it not that funny, which ultimately is what it has to be and there 's also a lot of moralizing in it and I, you know what I just, this thing was a total misfire i it looks like a it looks like another better movie it 's condescending it 's not that funny, and I just was not really impressed with butter uh, There are special features you can tell they kind of Weinstein company kind of crap this out there 's a gag reel and there 's some deleted scenes, big deal. Otherwise butter uh not really it will not melt your heart
0: so not worth the little the little blue ribbon thing that know, sent yeah, to they Oh no yeah they gave us a
1: blue ribbon thing <laughs> Butter on Blu-ray and DVD December 4th That's first supposed place first
0: persuade us to like it
1: First place mastery in butter little little ribbon Yeah that's Sorry, which I just dropped on the floor. Now, Wade, you're probably wondering what your food is for today. Yeah, what's my food? Okay. Now, uh, when I was in uh, uh, New York, as you know, uh, Hostess uh, uh, Cupcakes, out of business, bankrupt, done. I know. Now, Hostess, they own a whole bunch of other cupcake concerns. And uh, one of them is Drake's Cakes, which are uh, legendary and beloved – East Coast, mostly East Coast, uh, confections. Okay. Now, wait,
0: I, I grew up on these. Oh, you're not going to make me eat a Drake's cake thing, are you? A What's yodel? This, what is it's that? a yodel. A yodel. Oh, gross. You didn't make this? This is like some. I pro- told you I didn't make it. This is some processed crap that you picked up at the. Uh, no, this is going to be. Damn like, right. Would this expire like a month ago? No, d- uh, d- no,
1: d- uh, not till December 15th. Oh, damn. <laughs> what
0: <laughs> four days away so what my cares it might as well be fish food was no, not oh, first of all it was in the gross. freezer
1: you're eating one of these oh. you and you are gonna you are gonna understand
0: i always knew you hated me you're gonna
1: understand oh, the glory so. of yodels by the way you if, if you don't like this i'll make you eat a funny bone and that's got peanut butter in it. Oh, i don't know how much you hate peanut butter
0: i, I can't eat peanut butter I this
1: break out. wait now here's the thing you understand oh. this company's out of business you, Good. Are, you are about to partake of something that will not exist in like a month. This is a yodel, a Drake's cake yodel. Wait, enjoy.
0: Okay. Enjoy the drink. Oh Drake's my gosh! <laughs> Talk about Ted, and I'll I'll try to consume this.
1: Now everyone knows that I'm a big fan of uh, Family Guy, and uh, God, <laughs> it's like you're it's it's like you're knowingly eating poison. Mm. Really, you don't like it? The greatest. Oh, see you you see you do like it. You don't want to admit it.
0: It tastes like processed crap.
1: <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yodels are the best. Well, then you know what? See, I, w- I
0: can't incorporate your childhood nostalgia into my into my palate. <laughs> they don't go together.
1: It just goes to show you that uh, you have no soul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> are you not going to finish that?
0: I'll, I'll spit it out somewhere. No,
1: you're not. Come on. That's disgusting. <laughs> just either put it down, throw All it away, right. or finish
0: it. I'll finish it. What the hell? <laughs> can't be uh, worse than, can't be worse than actually having to watch some of the movies that we had to watch for this show. So. Exactly.
1: Uh all right so Seth MacFarlane is making his directing debut and his big screen writing debut in Ted a film that I found very funny and it has much of the scatological humor that a family guy has but it tells a little bit more of an actual story. It's about a uh it's about this guy played by uh, Mark Wahlberg and his childhood teddy bear Ted. Uh, has never left his side and actually truly exists in the world, walks around, does his thing, drinks beer, smokes pot, hangs out with Ted, they play video games together. It's an actual walking, talking teddy bear that has followed this guy all throughout his life. And uh, it's great. I think it's very funny. It's Yes, is it too long? Yes. Is it too long in an Apatowian sense? No, even Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow does not know when to stop.
0: Did you watch This Is 40, by the way? Not yet. You didn't? Not what? even for voting? No. See, I watched it for voting because I thought, well, why? maybe there's a sport Why? It might be a supporting bit in there or something. I don't know. Paul Rudd. I like Paul Rudd. It um, It's too long. It's two hours and six yes. and eight minutes long or something. I,
1: I know. Forget it. It's insane. Now, McFarlane has some has some of that in him, too. The only th- Here's the thing, though. With McFarlane, the reason why you can buy the fact that it's this long is because he goes into these detours that sort of take you away from the main story for just a brief second, and that's okay. Whereas with Apatow it is two hours and eight minutes of, in, of, of just assuming that we love these characters so much we never want to see them shut up.
0: Yeah. Whereas I mean, with Ted I mean, it's yeah.
1: different. But I have to say th- this thing is I found Ted to be completely hilarious. I have not laughed that much in a movie in a long, long time. Uh, it's not for everybody but uh, if you don't like Family Guy, if you do like Family Guy, you got to see Ted. It is really one of the funniest films of the year. It is raunchy. It is offensive. It is hilarious and I just love Ted. Um, there's a bunch of exclusive uh, Blu-ray features here, deleted scenes, alternate takes. Um, there's a gag reel, a bunch of other stuff, but uh, I could not recommend Ted highly enough. It is funny, funny stuff. Very much in the uh, Arrested Development, you know, male, that male Arrested Development world that we now sort of live in. where guys in their 30s sit at home and eat pizza and yeah. play video games. Yeah. Totally feeds into that vibe. And I love it. Ted's funny.
0: Uh you I'm know gonna what? eat my Yodel Wade. Go ahead, eat your Yodel while I talk about a movie that's not so funny, which mm-hmm. is The Born Legacy.
1: I like this movie. You like the Born Legacy? I did. I did. Really?
0: Yep, I did. You didn't feel like it was just trying to stretch a good thing too far? Uh, whatever. There's a, so does so <laughs> so's the Hobbit. Okay. Yes, it does. Anyway, alright, it's the Born Legacy, and uh you know, it's uh, it's no longer with uh Matt Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon uh, I just can't say his name anymore without thinking of uh, Team America. So Matt Damon uh, is no longer in this, but uh, Jeremy Renner is. And Jeremy Renner is, is supposed to be the new guy, the new action hero. I like Jeremy Renner. I just don't think he's got that thing. He's not an it actor. He's a he's more of a character actor. And, uh, you know, he's fine as one of the Avengers, but... I don't see him carrying uh, blockbuster tentpole movies in the same way, and I might not have thought that of Matt Damon a few years ago, but he he did uh, just the same. Jeremy Renner gives it his all. It's very well directed. It's you know nicely put together as a movie. I just uh, I just didn't feel like there was anything going on here that I wasn't I hadn't already seen in Spades in the uh, the other Bourne films. So I don't know that this really launches or relaunches the franchise in any uh, successful way. It's a Blu-ray DVD digital copy and ultraviolet combo set uh which is great if you want to watch it anywhere anytime i just don't know why anybody would want to watch this more than once and even then um but you know it's it's perfectly capable uh mark obviously likes it more it's got a lot of extras on it uh you know uh, uh, all the very wolf test sequence and uh, a bunch of uh you know featurettes and whatnot um yeah you know filmmakers commentary it's fine what, what did you love about this rachel vice was surprisingly not that impressive Actually,
1: I like, I love her. I think she's great. I you know, do too, in
0: like in Deep Blue Sea, great.
1: Oh, you know what? She's she's I, I I wound up seeing that, and uh, at isn't the last ter- minute, isn't she terrific? She's great. I can, slow
0: slow movie, but she's terrific.
1: I can see why, I can see why the New York Film Critics Circle went for her. Although I happened, we happen to know on good authority that yeah. it wasn't overwhelming. There was some yeah. split voting going on, and yeah. she wound up kind of sneaking in. But um, I, I, I'm I'm not saying that 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 legacy lives up to the previous Bourne films but uh, I thought it was exciting I liked Renner I loved her the plot was um, thankfully a little easier to swallow it's a little bit um, it's a little bit more you know a little superhero where he has these powers they're going to lock in if he does a certain thing he's got to lock him in so he never loses his powers this guy a little bit of superhero edge to it um, but Renner's very intense There's a lot of physicality to it I think Gilroy did a good job Of putting it all together It's a pretty smart piece of work It's well constructed um, I just dug it I was totally I was pretty absorbed From beginning to end It's well made I I will agree with you On two things One is I don't look at the film And think I want to see another two of these It felt like a one-off to me Even if it was even Totally if, Agreed even as, even as an enjoyable one-off it felt like, It felt like a one-off But Also, I do agree that Renner, I think is he's not becoming that leading man A list guy that everyone seems to want him to become. I feel he's going to be like one of those like B plus guys, B guys, B plus guys. You know, when you can't get the top three, you go for Jeremy Renner. Yeah, you know, which by the way sounds like an insult, but I I think Jeremy Renner is terrific. But I I I don't know he's he's developing. Uh, you know his big-time movie star chops the way I think that a lot of people thought he would. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm kind of a fan. I have to say.
0: Very good. Now, Wade. Yes.
1: I mean, we don't we don't disagree all that often.
0: Oh, we disagree we, on this.
1: We disagree on Ted. I want Ted. Here yeah, no,
0: yeah, Ted's all yours, baby.
1: We disagree on Ted. Yes. We did, We disagree on uh, uh, Born uh, Whatever. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Born Vasectomy. Uh huh. And um, you didn't laugh at that.
0: Yeah, it is funny. Born, born Um, vasectomy. vasectomy. That's very good. Yes, (laughs) charming.
1: (laughs) Uh, But I love, and you hate more than life itself. Beasts of the Southern Wild.
0: I'm going to go on record here. There were two films that obtained, This is where I felt like a stranger <laughs> in a strange land, a voice crying in the wilderness. In the L.A. Film Critics Association this year, there were two films that really, really got everybody all hot and bothered. And I'm going to go on record as saying, you're all frickin' high. Um, one of them is Holy Motors, which is just the, the, the this most sorry-ass excuse for a stupid movie I've ever seen. Uh, you know, uh, Leos Carax. It's not even his real name. He just he just rearranged the letters of his real oh, name. No, neither
1: is Quentin Terry.
0: Yes, it is. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I, Holy Motors is just a stupid-ass movie. And Beasts of the Southern Wild, most overrated thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Ugly people in a horrible environment in, with awful handheld, miserable filmmaking, ugly photography, and a bunch of like giant pig boar things roaming across the <laughs> wilderness until they stare down this little girl at the end for no damn reason. It makes no sense to me. Um, all I know is I hated this movie. I hated every solitary second of it. And I think people who love it are just projecting their own deeply heartfelt and very... Correct feelings about Hurricane Katrina and the devastation in uh, in New Orleans. I think they're projecting all of that onto this movie. They're that impor- is not true. They are importing emotions that the movie does not earn. Now, so I can't stand this movie. I don't. True. I excuse it in no way whatsoever.
1: Now, maybe. Uh, when it com- not when it comes to me now, our good friend Ray Green, yes, who directed the great uh, documentary "Vampire mm-hmm. in Me,"
0: yes. and also and, and Schlock. Uh, Schlock and Ray. Ray, by the way, who actually I mean Ray is a guy who p- puts himself where his conscience is. He actually went down after Katrina, like you know, uh, all Sean Penn style, and did you know uh, volunteer work down there.
1: That's why this movie touched him so much.
0: Yeah, I, now, I get for me, that. I totally get that.
1: I think that this film is first of all, it's it's a fable. It's not meant to be taken like an actual, like you know, realistic film. It is a fable about this six-year-old girl.
0: It's a feeble fable.
1: It's a feeble fable about this six-year-old girl who lives in this forgotten bayou community that is totally cut off from the world. They Called fend for the themselves. The Called bathtub. the bathtub. bathtub. They fend for, for themselves for food, though. for everything, for for their health, for their their living quarters. They fend for themselves. That's how I and, felt
0: watching it. I was fending for myself and, and, Sw- swimming against the tide, and after, drowning.
1: And after an, an unknown catastrophe, which you assume is Katrina, uh, they have to, they're, they're in trouble. And it's all about how the six-year-old girl is so strong-willed and she has to get herself through this crisis. And I would also argue that the uh, that the character of the father, who we gave Best Supporting Actor to, the guy was a New Orleans baker who had never acted in his life, and we just gave him the Best Supporting Actor award to LAFCA. If you ask me, the point of the movie is that he is imparting to her in his tough love way, he is imparting to her the lessons that she needs to go on with her life after he someday passes away. And I just thought this thing was a magical movie. I thought that the score was great. The girl is amazing. He was great. It is a coming of age flick like you've never seen before. I I hope uh, I never see again. (laughs) And Ben Zeitlin, the guy who not only directed it uh, and co-wrote it, but also co-wrote the score. Is a very talented guy, and we gave him...
0: Uh, <laughs> we gave him score and... We it, did,
1: and New Generation.
0: It's just unbelievable.
1: I'm telling you, this is a great movie. I love <sighs> Beasts of the Southern Wild. Now, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. At gods at digigods.com, I want you to rent this movie, because Wade and I are pretty diametrically opposed uh, when it comes to this movie. <sighs> I want you guys to rent Beasts of the Southern Wild. I want you to watch it. I want you to email us at gods at digigods.com. Yeah, do it. And tell us why I am brilliant, and Wade is full of crap. Why, send, Wade has
0: no heart. And send us more Vox boxes, by the way. Especially, we're out of Vox boxes. We're out of Vox boxes. We got one. We got one. We got a new Vox. Oh, we do. One new Vox box. Um, and uh, oh and by the way speaking of uh, we should let people know if you were not alerted to uh, the uh, as a contest winner you didn't win the contest winners have been alerted so uh, congratulations to all the contest winners and you will be receiving your DVDs and Blu-rays shortly if you don't get them uh, of course uh, email us and uh, that will mean that we have to ride some of the publicists to uh, get on the ball because there is obviously a lot of stuff to be done in this season but uh, we will make them uh, very aware of the fact that you are expecting your gifts in time for Christmas Um, I've got three animated films here to talk about, and I was hoping to get all three of them in 3D. They did not send us Ice Age Continental Drift in a 3D copy. They only sent us the regular Blu-ray, DVD, uh, digital copy combo, so no 3D here. So I'm not able to compare the the brilliance of the 3D in Ice Age Continental Drift with the 3D work in Up and uh, Finding Nemo. Not that it really ultimately matters, because Ice Age Continental Drift is just not that good. Um, Ice Age Continental Drift is is taking an already thin franchise that was really running on fumes, and uh, you know Ice Age was never really a, a great idea anyway. I mean, it's the origin- interna-
1: you know, what? that thing does so well internationally.
0: I know, but it's not. It's just the original Ice Age really only works for two reasons. Number one, uh, because the you know uh, Ray Romano's voice of the mammoth is funny in and of itself. And secondly, because they have all of that scrap the, the squirrel stuff, which is really nothing but kind of warmed over Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon fodder. That's all it is. And they're just desperately ripping off Chuck Jones, and uh, it's amusing to a new generation that has never seen Chuck Jones before. So, anyway, uh, this is now an ocean adventure. They're all on board an iceberg, and, of course, that gives you, oh, so much wonderful 3D fodder. And when it's not in 3D, it ain't ain't much more interesting anyway. Uh, Up is a movie that was uh, the – I think this was the first Pixar film in 3D, and uh, it doesn't need to be. I saw it in 2D. Thought it was perfectly wonderful in 2D for the first half hour or so, and then it just runs off the rails. I love the beginning of this movie. I think it's some of the greatest animation ever, some of the most wonderful poetic storytelling ever. And then once they kind of get to South America and start roaming around uh, the jungle, and it's not really up anymore, but it's on the ground. Not such an interesting movie. For Wall-
1: me. Wally had the same problem. Wally had a magical Chaplin esque beginning, I agree. I agree. and then it just became another chase film in space. And this up, I looked it up. Actually, I, we might have seen it together, and I was like, "Where did that film go?" Yeah, you know what's funny? Brave has the same problem. Brave had a great. First thirty minutes, and then the mother turns into a bear, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Is this where this movie's going?" Well, forget See, it. Yeah, it, that is three movies where Pixar had a great first act, and then they ran out of, and then just ran out of inspiration.
0: Well, this is a Blu-ray, uh, DVD, digital copy, and Blu-ray 3D combo set. This is all brand spanking new from Disney and uh, beautiful in every respect. I mean, there's nothing you can say bad about the uh, the, the look or the sound of the thing. The only question is, is does the movie justify that uh, where it goes? And I don't think it does. Uh, they've also released a Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D, DVD, digital copy combo, Ultimate Collector's Edition of Finding Nemo, which was not originally a 3D movie and also doesn't need to be. Uh, th- Finding Nemo is perfectly great and Uh, really the only way it should be seen is on regular Blu-ray but uh, they've gone to great lengths to try and invent uh, dimensionality where there really shouldn't be any in this thing and I I think that I gotta gotta tell you I can see with Up where they planned it for the 3D but uh, Finding Nemo there's really no point to the 3D it's it's just uh, imposing something where it doesn't need to be Um, but uh, you know it's still a great movie and if you don't own it uh, if you can get a good price on this it's probably worth having all right, Mark, so uh, you got a couple of good little movies there.
1: Let's do this thing. Uh, David Frankel directs Hope Springs, a film that. Uh, I, didn't, I like Frankel.
0: You know, I do like Frankel as a director. I don't think the guy gets enough credit. By the way, I'm, I'm on that Blu ray.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interviewed
0: on that Blu ray. Yeah, that's a great way. I'm in the feature. End. So, in
1: other words, you can't uh, discuss the quality because obviously. I have, you're, to re-
0: uh, I have to recuse myself. That's true. <laughs>
1: You know, I, I didn't know what to expect from this film. I have to say that I give it a lot of credit, and this is mostly Vanessa Taylor who wrote it. I give it a lot of credit for taking its primary, the main relationship, the two main characters, taking their relationship seriously. It is about uh, this long-married couple, Meryl Streep, Tommy Lee Jones they 've been married for decades, you know obviously things have become uh, like a lot of elderly, uh, older couples. Things have sort of fallen into like a rut and a yep. routine. Yep. She wants to spice things up by going to this uh, couple specialist played by a very serious Steve Carell and they go to this small town called Great Hope Springs and they try to reinvigorate their marriage and you know yes, it does get, get into some silly stuff, and I think Tommy Lee Jones might be playing this a little funnier or a little more over the top than the material might warrant. But I have to say that there 's a lot of interesting conversations, some real deep organic conversations about the nature of marriage and the nature of two older uh, an older couple having sex, and all that stuff is taken not for laughs i mean it's not, it's not it 's not so choice, but yep. i mean it, it, it does take itself seriously and I, I I like that, so this is not a super frothy comedy um, it's it 's a minor key film, but it 's it 's a surprisingly good film. Uh, I was surprised by hope springs it 's not bad This is something you know that your parents might want to watch. Uh, and get a kick out of this is something you could probably watch also although it does talk about older people having sex and that's always disgusting
0: and, and I, I should say I haven't actually watched myself on this because uh, I'm always terrified to see myself on featurettes but uh, pr- I was interviewed for the featurette, so I'm going to have to go home now and <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to see if I actually wind, wind up on this thing after all but it, you know it was fun I remember I was, uh, I was uh, they pulled me in and did a little interview and I watched the film before it was released and uh, it was lovely it was, it was very nice and I thought the film was just terrific I, I think David Franklin great devil wears prada all the way back to miami rhapsody even uh, the big year which uh, came out last year which i thought was terrific and you nobody love else, that movie i love that movie so terrible. i like frankel i think he's great and i think everyone in this movie is great really overlooked so i'm gonna have to go let i i hope i wound up on this thing i'm gonna have to go back and uh, check out all of it four behind the scenes featurettes including an expert's guide to everlasting passion and the doctor is in steve carell and dr Feld. hopefully i'm in one of those i'm gonna have to go check
1: <laughs> You're not in your mind. And finally, for me, we have uh, from uh, 2002, a, uh, it was a bit of a departure for him, for Spielberg, but I just thought Catch Me If You Can is Great terrific. movie. Great movie. Just I wish
0: he'd do, do more stuff like this. Just tone it down. Stop trying to change the world with every movie. You know, like like War Horse, Lincoln. No, stop it. Just make more movies like this.
1: I agree. You know, it's about a uh, it's about this 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 forger. He's a confidence man. He's trying to stay one step away from yeah, stay one step ahead of uh, uh, Tom Hanks, who plays uh, the FBI agent who's uh, chasing him. And I think this movie is breezy and fun. And I wish Spielberg would make, as Wade says, more films like this. It's well paced. It's got that great opening credit sequence with the John Williams music. It is very entertaining. It's almost entertaining in that kind of like. You know, old-school charade way, that studio, that old Cary Grant sort of like uh, studio light comedy way. And I just think it's terrific. Catch Me If You Can is on Blu-ray. It looks terrific. Uh, A couple of special features on here, which really aren't that bad. So you know what? I highly recommend Catch Me If You Can.
0: And really quickly, uh, we have three titles here from the, uh, screen, uh, well, from the, uh, t- from Twilight Time, which is only available at screenarchives.com. Uh, Twilight Time is a, uh, one of those terrific labels that just goes and acquires movies from the studios or it licenses them, we should say, uh, which the studios are just not going to get behind themselves, but because they are, uh, they're going to focus their energies on promoting them and marketing them to uh, audiences that care. They're able to get some really great titles and they do a wonderful, wonderful job with them from the 20th century Fox library. Uh, We have the Twilight Time title Beloved Infidel, which is a Henry King-directed movie from 1959 uh, about the actual story of uh, Sheila Graham's romance with F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald, of course, played by Gregory Peck. And Deborah Carr plays uh, Graham. And I mean, does it get any better than that, Deborah Carr and Gregory Peck? That's just a classic Hollywood duo. This movie is terribly overlooked and underrated. And uh, it, it's wonderful that we get this, you know, the CinemaScope glory has now been restored in this beautiful 235 widescreen high def transfer by Twilight Time. Bravo. Thank you, Twilight Time. And then also, a lot of people are going to laugh at this, but you know what? I love the Blue Lagoon. Yes, yes, I, uh, I, I'm i the same age as Brooke Shields. Don't go look it up. And, of course, I had a Brooke Shields poster uh, when I was that age from the Blue Lagoon. You better believe it. That's right. I went to Westwood, and I bought myself a Brooke Shields poster. So go ahead, Mark Kaiser. Make fun of me. They, you know
1: what? They, they had that store in Westwood that sold posters. What was that? Yeah. Was, was, was that feeding. the store next to the arcade?
0: And no, there was one that was actually next to New York Pizza. That's the one where I got my Brooke Shields poster.
1: Was that called um, something?
0: There was one the called store? Graffiti, but that was the comic Ooh, book store. Graffiti. Comic book store, right? I used to go to the comic book That's store. That's where we always went to get uh, Cinefix, all the new Cinefix. Yes, yeah, Starlog. Oh, Starlog and Cinefix. Uh, anyway, Randall Cinefex 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 Cli- is still around. I know it Starlog is. Starlog isn't. No. Uh, Randall Kleiser uh, produced and directed this. Uh, Randall Kleiser, who, of course, made a lot of other uh, cheesy movies of the day, and uh, his career kind of uh, sank after this. But Nestor Almendros, the brilliant cinematographer, uh just, just nailed this. He just directed the hell out of this movie. It's beautifully, beautifully done. It's, it's kind of cheesy. Sure, it doesn't age terribly well. It's sort of the, uh, one of those movies that just links the 1970s to the 80s, much like Xanadu, a lot of movies that we just don't want to remember. But uh, I, I honestly think it's a beautifully made movie. It's got a sweet kind of nostalgic innocence to it, and it's great that Twilight Time has brought it back. And the last new Twilight Time uh, Blu-ray is Lost Horizon. No, not the Frank Capra classic. This is the 1973 musical that is so brutally maligned that uh, people are almost embarrassed to admit that they've even seen it. Uh, Yes, someone decided to take Lost Horizon and turn it into a musical in 1973, rated G, and uh, it was just so widely panned that everyone ran and went for the hills. I love this movie. I saw it as a kid. I think it's just terrific. It is, uh, and it's funny. I I just bonded with a friend of mine the other day who. uh, (laughs) <laughs> with whom I often disagree, a songwriter, by the way, and he loves this movie. We we just uh, completely bonded over this film, and uh, you know what? Bert Bacharach did the music. Uh, Hermes Pan did the choreography, and it's you know it's just it's a wonderful movie. Forget about how badly directed it is by Charles Jarrett. It really it's just it's it's a it's a it's a it's a weird kind of eccentric gem with an amazing cast: Peter Finch, Olivia Hussey, uh, Liv Ullman. George Kennedy, Michael York, John Gilgood. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? It's, it's so what that it also has Bobby Van in it. You remember Bobby Van? Bobby Van. <laughs> he didn't
1: Bobby Van die of a brain aneurysm? Yeah, or he something? did.
0: He did. It did. It was really sad, but anyway, you get it as with all of these twilight time uh, titles. It includes an isolated score and uh, an alternate scene, believe it or not, and uh, Burt Bacharach song demos. It's just, it's just wonderful. I, I yes, I know it's cheesy, but darn it, it's a, it's really a great relic of my childhood. So, gotta recommend that Lost Horizon on Blu-ray. I never thought this day would come, Mark. What are we wrapping the show out with? We
1: are uh, we're wrapping it out with this, Wade. If there's anything worse than Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, it's Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2. I'll tell you why. First of all— but the you, Borg
0: are introduced here.
1: Well, yeah, but here's the thing. There's two things that make this season terrible. One is they're still wearing their pajamas as their Starfleet uniforms. Because I think in season three, they, they, they go with the ones with the collar. Yeah. So any Star Trek where they're wearing their pajamas, yeah. not a good episode. Okay. Any Star Trek with Will Crusher, not a good episode. Also, season two sucks because they uh, got rid of uh, Gates McFadden and replaced her with Dana or oh, as Dr. Right. Pulaski.
0: Yeah, that's right. And
1: all those episodes kind of suck.
0: Yeah, they do kind of. Exactly. But they have the episode Q-Who, which is where the, the Borger introduced. Now, it's essential.
1: The Borg are cool.
0: It's an essential episode. Yes,
1: and Q is cool. And they also introduce uh, uh, Ten Forward
0: in season two, which is cool. Yes, that's right.
1: Yes. Uh, now, this season is shortened by the uh, writer strike Because we're talking 19, uh, whatever it was 1988, 89 Yeah, 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 that's right So shortened by The writer Strike So we only have A couple of good uh, Episodes here Really the most uh, Notable one As Wade says Is probably Q Who uh, Which is good stuff But otherwise I'm not a fan of Season 2 of Star Trek The Next Generation Now the good thing Is that uh, As we we talked about With Season 1 These shows have been Remastered You know they were Shot on 35 Which is unbelievable Uh, And they look great They look great No doubt about it um, they sound great. The show itself, again, as we're saying, there's uh, too many stinkers in this season. Although mm-hmm. I, I, I did kind of like uh, Times Square. Mm, Times Square, that was good. Um, anyway. So I would, if you're a Star Trek completist, obviously you got to get season two. For me, I'm really, I'm really not going to start really collecting these until season three. Okay. Because by season four, it was clearly one of the best shows on television, and it really had picked up the pace Yeah, but seasons one and two are a little bit slow yes Willby be Goldberg was introduced this season that's cool I get it but um, otherwise season two not my favorite let's start right. with the next generation
0: well I'm uh, I'm on I'm on board because I'm I'm just a completist and that means I'm also a masochist so there you go uh, by the way the, the, the bit with data is Sherlock Holmes I, I, I it's very silly it's very silly all right, that does it. We are done for this week, uh, and we're probably going to have some uh, late-coming Christmas and holiday recommendations. By then, of course, Hanukkah will be over. Hanukkah's like halfway done now, right?
1: I, You know what? I, I was talking to somebody about this today. It's like, oh, it's Hanukkah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well... I the worst Jew in the world.
0: <laughs> uh, no idea. That's, that's okay. Uh, we forgive you. So, as if I'm in any position to forgive. (laughs) All right, that's it. Uh, Please email us at gods at digigods.com. Any of your questions, recommendations, suggestions, uh, all the above. And uh, Vox Boxes. Send us some Vox Boxes. Facebook page. Facebook page. Join the Facebook page. We'll see you next week.